welcome to Side Talks Podcast. Yes, welcome to Side Talks Podcast. It's I, a podcast about movies. Do I sound professional? Like you, a professional you do. podcaster? You do. Now I'm, I'm sort of easing into this very professional recording. I never know what you're going to throw at me. Well, at I'm the not going to sing today. Things. I'm not singing today. All right. Everybody's tired of hearing me Are you sure? Sing. Yep. Everybody's sure? tired. I, I know they are. So I'm not singing today. I really hit I really hit it hard last week with the, you know, I'm not going to do it. The CNC Music Factory. That's the, true. That la- last week was kind of uh, th- there, was, there was a singing. lot. There was a lot. There was a lot of singing. So anyway, I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm a professional podcaster. This is the uh, the <laughs> official podcast of the. If, see, if I were a professional podcaster, I wouldn't be like I do. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, do you think um, old uh, Terry Gross or? Um, What's her name from Criminal, Phoebe Judge? You think they hit it every time? Yeah, out of, I out do. Of I think they never say um. Mm. I think they have very good editors. I was going to say, people like me take all the ums out for hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Fuck them. Anyway, <laughs> no, see I, I how it's you, getting I love off you, the rails already? I love you, Phoebe getting... Judge. Uh, Terry Gross is fine. I was trying. I, I was trying to keep professional and it went off the rails already. So let's let's get this intro wrapped up and get into this podcast yeah, I'm, before I'm I get Corey in trouble. Yeah, I'm Corey Kraft. I'm a, also a professional podcaster. Let's talk about movies, though. Let's do it. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. Oh, man. I'm on the wrong damn side of the table today. Well, I certainly didn't anticipate that this would be the subject of a five-minute fight because, as I said last week, I was pretty sure that you would enjoy this movie. But it turns out you've, you're you coming at me today. I did. I slacked you up. I slacked you up a couple days ago. You're, and I said, guess what we're fighting about. And, Brad, you can go ahead and start the timer because we are fighting about... <laughs> Scream 2022, yeah. uh, the, the requel. The fifth uh, Scream movie, um, just titled Scream, which does have sort of a metatextual point yeah, they, know, in they, the movie. Yeah, they definitely cover that in the film itself. So I, I think this is an entirely enjoyable new installment into this franchise that um, does what all of the characters say a good legacy sequel is supposed to do, right? It, it reintroduces new characters pays homage to what came before it, has a few sort of legacy characters who come back to varying degrees of success, I will admit, in this movie. I don't think it's perfect. Um, And more importantly for a Scream movie, I think it's a very entertaining slasher whodunit. Um, but you're you're coming at me not really in love with this movie. No, I'm, I'm curious I didn't have why. Fun. I didn't have a good. I did not have a good time at the movies, Corey. Wow, I did not. And the, and I have never ever not had a good time in the movies with Scream. You don't even like Scream Three. I like Scream Three. I like them all. I mean, I like them all. Until I don't like Scream Three, but I I think Scream Three is watchable. I think they're all watchable. It's it's kind of I don't know. It. it <sighs> This even the bad fun. ones, even the bad ones are good. Wes um, is gone, and we know it. Sure, and you can feel it. Here's what I think. Okay, I actually think the legacy characters are where this thing is really strong. Mm. I think that we should have just had the legacy characters and had some and had some secondary characters be perhaps new. But I think what they were trying to do was get uh, what is it now? Gen Z? Is yeah. it Gen Z or is it Gen it's Z? Gen Z. Or Z? Gen Z. Gen Tadpole. What? Like, what's the next one? Anyway, they were trying to get them dim babies, and they were trying <laughs> to get dim babies to come to the cinema by. Casting, you know, a group of young, um, very untalented, some, oh, they're fine, somewhat Come on. attractive actors. Wow. Yeah, I'm saying it. They're not good. They're not watchable. When when the original Scream came out, I saw it in the theater. Sure. And man, I was excited. Everybody was yelling yeah. and screaming. Get it? But that cast. 
while you can't really watch it today and kind of go, well, who is that? That cast, while it was, while they had been in other stuff, that was the first time we saw that group of people together, and each one of them was incredibly dynamic, really, really fun to watch. There is not a single memorable cast member in this thing that isn't a legacy character. Mm. And they drag, drag, drag me through this thing. You know, I, I don't know that anybody in this new film has the presence of a you know, I, I never thought I'd say this of like Jamie Kennedy as Randy or Rose McGowan or Matthew Lillard Agreed. or or even, you know, old Skeet Ulrich. Um, Agreed. But I do think these kids acquit themselves not fairly Campbell. nicely. Certainly not Nev Campbell. Although I do like our, our new sort of protagonist uh, played here by Marissa, Melissa eh, Barrera. I, I think forgot she's her good. Already. Um, she has a secret that ties her character back to the original Scream in some ways. You know, the the movie is a little overstuffed. Um, I, I do think that it has perhaps uh, a, a cast that is too large. It's trying to keep a lot of plates spinning, including yeah, introducing to, these legacy characters. It's trying to make too many people happy. It's trying to please me. It's trying to please the younger generation. It's trying to get new Scream fans on board. And it does weird sentimental shit, too, with the sort of, with a murderer. I mean, that was, mm. that, that stuff is really strange. And ultimately, I found it to be pretty predictable. There Now, this is the thing. There are a few moments. Uh-huh. There are a few moments. It gets too, what it forgets is that the, the older Screams aren't that focused on the kills. No. They're not that focused on the gore. It kind of leans gore and kill. I'm okay where, with that. Where the other screams lean witty and interesting and, and fun and lively. This thing feels dead in the water. Oh, and I disagree. I think its best moments are things like the really enjoyable sort of Courtney Cox, David Arquette, meta, you know, back and forth. Right. We know they used to be married. You're not going to, nobody's forgetting that going into this film, except for maybe Gen Z. And so, you know, you have that sort of banter that feels like is this real or is this in the film and scream plays really well in that that gray area and it always has and i love that shit but this film is not as they've got the budget they've got all the cast members back why isn't this thing better why isn't this thing smarter why is net why are nev and courtney only on the screen for you know what 20 percent of the film maybe yeah, they're not in it very much i i'm okay with that though because i I'm not. i i personally found the new cast uh, captivating enough to hold my attention. I do think that the the meta stuff um, and the commentary about fandom and specifically toxic fandom and commentary on sort of 20 years later sequels like this is I, I thought all that stuff was really clever. Um, it is, it, but it's not. It's not. It doesn't take up a ton of screen time. It doesn't take as much mm. screen time as these as the the sort of you know, happy death day two kind of shit. Yeah, but I, what I, it feels like. I thought it was it was more really? That went by fast. I thought it was more successfully meta than Scream Three and Four. Oh no. No child, no. No, no, no. I disagree no. with you. I just disagree uh, the, with the you. The kills are good, the cast is good, it's funny, it's uh, entertaining. Is it scary? No, but no scream movie has particularly not, it's scary. It's not scary, and I don't think the kills are that great, and it's not oh, that entertaining. The, kill, the kills are cool. And when you're looking at Scream or Scream Two, and every single moment of those films are just jaw dropping fun. And this yeah. isn't fun. That's that's where it messes I up. I had goes. a blast with it. Uh, Brad, as I, messy I, as it is. I could talk for another forty five minutes, so I better shut up. Yeah, I think um so, so I'm just basing this on the quality of the argument right now since I haven't seen yeah. this movie. But I, too, grew up with the Scream franchise. I remember going to the theater to see the first Scream, everything you guys um, described earlier. So this film does have – or this franchise does have a little place in my heart. But I got to say, 
I know exactly why Rachel didn't like it, and I'm not sure that I know why Corey does like it. Yeah. You know uh, what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I didn't articulate that particularly well in my argument. Um, so fair, fair enough. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying – I don't know. It just seems like – especially now hearing – that um, there's so many new cast members and there's not a lot of screen time for the the legacy cast or whatever. That's kind of a bummer uh, to me. That almost seems like why do another one then? Because I, I always felt like it was that core of actors and actresses that kind of made those films. I mean, of course, West too. But I don't. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Is that, and is that a fair? I, I think they I think they were scared. I think they were scared. I think all the fear here doesn't lie in the film, but the fear lies in the producers who thought they were going to make their money back unless they put youngins in this thing. Uh, maybe, but but it's also a commentary on the tendency in recent cinema to do that. That's ten minutes of it. I don't care if you highlight it's your more mistake. Than 10 minutes. It's still your mistake. It's more than ten minutes. They have Randy's you know niece and nephew explain how that's a thing that happens in cinema in a monologue that recalls. You know, all the Randy stuff from the first two movies. Just because I tell you I did something wrong doesn't make it okay that I did it wrong. Yeah, but it's not wrong. It's good. No. Well, for this, if I have to make a judgment, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edge towards uh, Rachel on this one. However, I am going to watch the movie and maybe I can Redux. report back. To, Redux. Yeah. Oh, you're coming back on my side. I think I'm you're going to like it, Brad. Very I think confident. you're going to like it. It's good. It's entertaining. It's solid stuff. See, it, this it's got a lot of surprises in it that are fun. Makes me want to see it even more now. So, fair enough. Well, I'm not going to count this as a loss. I'll just oh say that God. much. Oh, my God. You need to count it as a I'm loss. Chalking it's a loss. This up, I'm chalking this up as a provisional <laughs> loss that can and probably will turn to a win uh-uh. one day. Nope. How about this? I think it was a loss, but it can be overturned, possibly. Okay, so there. Fine. Because I feel confident. I feel confident too, Rachel, because it's a likable movie that's a lot of fun. Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Uh, uh, of, uh... Echo Foxtrot. Man, that's weird. Man, that's weird. What's weird? Tell well, me tell me about something weird. This is we're picking it up. We're we're picking it up from from the last time we did this little okay. bit. And that is that you mentioned we we talked a little bit about licorice pizza specifically right. about about the pinball and licorice pizza and you mentioned that you thought I was going to go a different direction with the conversation. Thought you were going to tell me about John Peters, noted Hollywood producer/weirdo slash played in the film by Bradley Cooper. Uh, and that is indeed what I'm going to do. Sick. Yeah. And so when I did a little research and you know of course I I know a little bit about John Peters I know a little bit about John Peters just from my mom was a big Barbara Streisand fan. Sure. Um, Barbara Streisand. uh, Barbara Streisand. Streisand. Streisand fan. And uh, she loves her a lot. So I know a little bit about John Peters from that. But I also know a little bit from uh, another podcast. You might, you must remember. You must remember this, this. right? You must yeah. remember this. Uh, Karina Longworth's excellent Hollywood history podcast. Great, and she has one on the relationship between Barbara Streisand and John Peters. Yep, and it's a great. It's actually one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. It's the episode I generally point to when I try to get people hooked on that podcast because it's you know, it's just a really enjoyable one. So anyway, so as I'm, I, I know a little bit about him from that, but I, I went out and did some more research because I wanted to, you know, come in here and talk about some of the odd connections and some of the weirdness around that particular character in this particular right, film, right. and a couple things. I realized was that did you and I, you're probably aware of this, but Licorice Pizza's protagonist 
is actually based on Gary Getzman. Yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson's some say best friend, some just say friend, but uh, obviously good friend from childhood. Uh, Gary Getzman is also not only a former child actor who appeared in Yours, Mine, and Ours with Lucille Ball, who has a fictional analog in Licorice Pizza, right? right. Uh, but also for some years now has been Tom Hanks' film producing partner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Tom Hanks. So yeah, he's a producer now. So anyway, that 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 is an most of the characters in this film are you know sort of ripped from real life. Yeah. And John Peters, one of them, that waterbed scene, apparently that actually did happen. Some version of that did happen, uh, uh, where the our protagonist goes to install a waterbed in John Peters' house, and things get a little wild. <laughs> yes, they do. So um, John Peters, of course, was a hairdresser and a very very notorious and famous hairdresser, hairdresser to the stars. So he was, if memory serves, an acquaintance of possibly the, the mentee of Jay Sebring. Is that right? Who was killed right. in the Manson murders. Yeah. He was at Sharon Tate's house. Who's another Hollywood hairdresser to the stars. Right. And uh, Warren Beatty in Shampoo. Is that right? Loosely That's based right. on so shampoo, John Peters. So John Peters. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Warren Beatty's character in Shampoo. And he did Warren Beatty's hair. And that's the connection there. Ah, okay. And he meets Barbara Streisand. Uh, Streisand, Stry, Streisand, Streisand, going to her house to do her hair, and says to, first thing he says to her is something along the lines of "Oh man," and she's sort of like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "You've got a nice ass," and that's <laughs> his pickup line. That that worked on her. Apparently, that worked on her. Different time. I had no idea. I mean, uh, supposedly he was just a you know amazingly handsome gentleman. I've seen photos. I'm not on that page, but you know, what do I know about menses? I don't know anything. <laughs> so anyway, he, he ends up, you know, going from a hairdresser, owning a salon and doing really, really well at that. I mean, he's incredibly wealthy from that uh, undertaking, but to, of course, even a more lucrative position as a film producer. And he indeed produces a star is born 1976. Yeah. Am I right about yep. that? Yep. Star is born, um, which here's that one of those fun connections who then stars in the 2018 star is born. Bradley but- Cooper. Bradley Cooper, who plays John Peters in Licorice Pizza. Yep. So he produces A Star is Born. This gets him into the film industry and away from, from the haircut and business. And um, he, uh, you know, does a number of other films after that, right? But he, just so you know, Corey, uh-huh. he also was aiming to star in and direct A Star is Born. Wow. I, I really <laughs> wish that had happened. He he really wanted to. Nobody took it very seriously, but he was sort of trying to demand that he do all of those. Of course, he's uh, at the time dating the star, so I'm sure people had to at least take a meeting, right? So um, anyway, one other thing about this is that you might be interested to know that he did indeed give his blessing uh-huh. to have Bradley Cooper portray him in Licorice Pizza. And his he had a one stipulation. Do you know what that stipulation was? Um, to use his actual pickup line? Yes, which is? Uh, hey, do you like peanut butter sandwiches? Yes. How does that work? I don't know, but apparently things like, and I don't know if this is just true in the 70s, but apparently you could pick up uh, highly attractive women just by saying things like, you have a nice ass, and do you like peanut butter sandwiches? I mean, who who could have foreseen? Um, so here's a, here's a list, and I don't know if you have this. I don't want to step on your toes. No, no, go ahead. Uh, but some of the films that John Peters produced after A Star is Born. Unbelievable, really, um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's credited as executive producer on a lot of really big movies. Caddyshack, yep. American Werewolf in London, Flashdance, Clue, The Color Purple, um, Rain Man. 
and then actively was producer for Tim Burton's Batman, which I have to imagine made him extremely wealthy um, oh, for sure. beyond what he already was. Um, so, oh, and, and then, of course, famously, he tried for years to do a reboot of the Superman franchise, uh, bringing in Kevin Smith and Nicolas Cage and Tim Burton and trying to get one iteration of that off the ground after another until eventually he does. Um, Superman Returns in 2006 with... Uh, notoriously canceled director Brian Singer and notorious ca- notoriously canceled co-star Kevin Spacey. So st- talk about a movie that nobody will ever watch again. Yeah, well, and no surprise, there are some sexual assault allegations and, and this kind of thing out there against John Peters. Uh, you know, that does that surprise you A guy all? who walked around saying you've got a nice ass to pick up women? No, yeah, I'm not shocked shocker, to hear right? it. And by the way, he he ends up partnering with, is it Peter Guber? Uh, Peter Guber, yeah. Oh, is, is, you pronounce it Guber. I was uh, trying as, to be kind. As, as far as I know, yeah. Well, Peter Guber, uh, get, that's where the partnership comes into play with the Batman series. Yeah. Yes, indeed. he He's, you know, richer than, you know. Dump I, trucks What do you money. even say? Yeah, yeah just, just making those just Batman cash, residuals. Cash, cash. And then the other last little bit here is when he's on the Batman 1989. Yep. Batman, uh, producing that, he ends up uh, hooking up with Kim Baster. <laughs> no way. Yep, yep. And he also said that Michael Keaton wanted to get with her, but he won over Michael Keaton. Oh, well. So there's one last little note about the son of a bitch, John Peters. And <laughs> by the way, at that point, I realized I had been researching for quite a while and had filled up three pages of a notebook and thought, you know what? This guy is such a wild man. We might have to even revisit again and, and make some more connections but Wait, that's what i've got for you I'm, i've seen something okay, th- th- here's another thing that i'm just seeing did you know according to wikipedia i've never heard this before in 2020 so two years ago yeah. he apparently married pamela anderson holy shit and they were married for 12 days before well, the marriage was annulled that that's the only part of it that doesn't surprise me that is bananas. That is bananas. All right, we'll be back. We'll be back with the with more on uh, your buddy John Peters because yeah, my man, best friend is, John Peters. This is a, this is a <laughs> a well of gold, just a well of gold. So that's what I've got for you on him today. Excellent. To be continued. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. Sponsored by Revelator Coffee, we are your own personal cinematic, Gail Weathers and Suzanne Stone. Suzanne Stone is Nicole Kidman in in To Die For? That's exactly right. Okay. And they're both newscasters. Yeah. Very different kinds of newscasters, but a lot of similar personality traits, really. So, spoiler alert, um, Gail Weathers has been shot and stabbed and... Uh, all maimed in all manners of ways, but she's still alive. Yeah, because um, she's Gail Weathers. Suzanne dude. Stone, meanwhile, not so lucky. <laughs> David Cronenberg takes her out. Uh, so uh, um, I don't know. Would you rather have like a, a swift assassination, or you know, be you know an unkillable journalist um, who nevertheless suffers pretty significant injuries every ten years or so? You know, it's a hard, it's a hard choice. Um, I think I'm going to go Suzanne Stone just because that's my girl. Yeah. But I will say, I wouldn't want to go up against either one of those individuals. I wouldn't want to go face to face, head to head with Gail Weathers or Suzanne Stone. They're both a couple of badasses that I feel like would take you down. Yeah. Yeah. 
So thanks to Beltwell Studios. And thanks again to our sponsor, Revelator Coffee. Delicious, delicious coffee. Um, we are online at SidewalkFest.com or on social media at Sidewalk Film on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Visit any of those places to see what's going on at the Sidewalk Cinema. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, I think, when this episode is released, we've got some really exciting Valentine's-related programming at the oh, cinema. Heck yeah, we do. Our, our kiss and, and Flea. Our, and Flea, that's right, the animated documentary Flea that's about to get a bunch of Oscar nominations. But the uh, the Kiss 'em or Diss 'em program, Kiss 'em or Diss 'em, bitch. Um, at uh, the Sidewalk Cinema, we've got some fun films part of that programming, and some not so fun, films. and some not so fun films, but but something for everybody. Yeah, I think a little it's Harold and Maude. How Ooh. it doesn't get more romantic than that? No, I mean, it doesn't. It, it does, but uh, you know, you know how we do. You know how we do. Uh, and then Mad Max uh, Fury Road. Yeah, if you're not in a romantic mood, right? Mad Max Fury Road, which is about you know uh, a lady who shaves her head and rips her fat ex husband's face off. Uh, pretty good stuff. And then we've got Diary of a Mad Black Woman and Love Jones up against each other. You know, I've and never dissing. seen Love Jones, but people love the trailer that movie. is. Wild, so yeah. you should take a look at it. And then, of course, uh, later in the evenings, uh, on at least two of those nights, we have Brokeback Mountain and my personal favorite in the lot, Bound. Oh, uh, Bound would be amazing. Caesar, is that screen. you, Caesar? What are you doing out there, Caesar? <laughs> but I, I love Brokeback Mountain. What a beautiful movie yeah. that is. So oh, join man. us. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great time to see some classic movies on the big screen. Word. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.